Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Dynasty Movement Podcast, Season 3, Episode 4. Pass is caught! Diggs! Sideline! Touchdown! Unbelievable! Vikings win it! As usual, I am Burn, joined by Down With Fun, and today we have a special guest, Bacon Boy, who uh, will be... uh, Yeah, joining us here for the next hour and a half while we talk about fantasy football and other things. Uh, So how are you guys doing today? Pretty good. How about you? Just another day in paradise. Um, I'm I'm ecstatic to be here. I feel like the the playground finally got picked to be on the team. And it's just like, I'm I'm ecstatic. Yeah, it's, it's exciting how someone filled out the application and all of a sudden we have guests. And, uh, you know, everything <laughs> is better with bacon. Absolutely. So we've got a few topics we're going to go through today. Um, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, some Dynasty Fantasy Football meta, uh, how you just operate on, like, a weekly basis, how you manage your team, stuff like that. And then we're going to get into uh, why teams do stupid shit all the time. And, real teams. Like, real football teams. And you look at them and you think to yourself, why are they doing this stupid shit? And we're going to try our best to sociology our way into why they do stupid shit. Um, I took one class. I did take a class in high school for it. So that basically makes me an expert. Uh, so I have a good extensive background in historical analysis on psychology. Yes. There so we go. We'll so we get let's start with fantasy meta uh things like how you approach waivers and trades uh especially when you're in multiple leagues and you can potentially get lost in the shuffle of how that goes uh bacon we'll start with you um how do you in your plethora of leagues that you're in especially i know you've picked up a couple of my orphans this year uh how do you manage taking teams that you may not even have necessarily had a hand in originally building like how do you manage uh having those kinds of teams and uh making sure you don't mix up who you have on what roster and keeping up with waivers and all of that yeah so one of the reasons i brought this up Mm -hmm. is because i'm not good at it (laughs) and i want to hear other people do it so I was like, this could be, an, you know, just throwing it out there. It'd be like, cool, if we all discuss this. Because uh, I went from, I think, about like five or six leagues last year to 11 leagues this year. Whew. And um, feel, I'm feeling the heat a little bit. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I hear people in the server that have up to 44 leagues. Shout okay, that, that we're, we're talking about one individual. Two. Guy. That is yeah. not tenable. Two. I'm pretty sure Cheech and Jesus are both in 40 plus. Yeah, exactly. And I'm like, how do you even must be, I mean, sure, yes. Trading for CJ Stroud the first time has got to be exhilarating. But then doing it for like the 44th time is going to be exhausting. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. So like I'm I'm curious to hear how because especially the one thing that strikes me as hard to do are waivers and trade talks. And I used to my first time I joined like a TDM league, I was like, why do people just like cold send offers? Like nobody ever wants to talk to me. And then now I get it because that shit's exhausting. Like you don't want to have to 
you know, figure out openers and, and try to tease out what value they're going to pay for players. And I've come to appreciate the value of a cold offer and how much time it cuts out of the negotiation. Because you get the cold offer and you're like, oh, they think they're worth that much? Like, ew, no way, I'm not negotiating with that. Like, and then you, you just kind of know right then and there that you're probably not going to get a deal done. Mm -hmm. um, the, the waiver thing is, is tough because for you to really do waivers right, it helps to intimately know not only your team, but what's on everyone else's team and what's on the waiver wires, what the scoring settings are for each one. Like joining return yards is, is tough for, for this year because sometimes we'll be doing waivers for weeks. And I'm like, oh, yeah. Like Xavier Gibson, that might be no, like nope, never mind. There's no return yards in this dynasty league. Like that's not going to be a good step. I just spent half you my know? fab on a guy that's going to score ten points this year. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's, it's like I keep forgetting. You know, the one that uh, threw me off was the scoring settings for one of the. See, Burn mentioned that I I joined a bunch of his. Or I took orphans in a bunch of his leagues, which is true, and that's part of what prompted this. I think I took two or three orphans in in some of your leagues. Oh uh, yeah, two um, and they were. They were both at wildly different stages. One was like the most I tanked rebuilding team I've ever seen. You know, it had like all of the, the this guy was injured, it had Kyler Murray, Javante Williams, had tanked for the 101. And I was like very easily able to flip the 101 for a haul, like acquire some good QBs and trade, trade. And now my team is really good. But the other team, it was like a barren 14 team, one QB roster where like it had three usable assets and I just traded them all for first and now I'm like great now what happens and those teams are so you know wildly different and so I was wondering how people end up separating those experiences from one another because they keep thinking they're the same because the scoring settings are kind of similar except one of them is a super flex league and one of them's not and you know it means I end up a little bit you know all over the place and uh so I'm wondering people especially I know you burn are, mm -hmm. are an expert at having multiple scoring settings in multiple different leagues and wondering how you keep all that information separate. Um, that's actually a great question and I have a very good answer for it. I don't. Um, nice. <laughs> I, I compartmentalize. So right now I'm in seven leagues. Um, I would say one of them is in that is it, awkward stage. Or, uh, all or of my leagues. Well, I guess I have rivals and then I have six leagues that are all dynasty. Um, oh, okay, so you just have, yeah, seven dynasty leagues, that makes sense. Yeah, so I, first I compartmentalize by which ones are contenders and which ones are hard rebuilders. Uh, on my contenders, I'm generally deep enough where a waiver ad isn't really going to make a huge difference unless it's someone glaring like Puka Nakua or Kyron Williams who comes out and it's like, I need to get this guy. Uh, most of the time, waiver ads are, no offense to Jaleel McLaughlin, but, like, someone that I'm not going to start on a contender on a weekly basis. Hey. I know. Um, it's it's nice to have. Like, I think he's good. could be a good player, but for me, on a contender, I'm worried about today. And if I miss out on someone that might be a contender next year, or, or like, a provider next year, or even later in the season, but I don't need him, that time is much more better spent on a rebuilder. And on my rebuilders, I scour the waivers constantly for any value I could potentially add, even if it's for someone that I'm just going to flip a couple weeks down the road. Um, so on contenders, I'm not necessarily as on top of my waivers because I already have the value that I think I need to win. Whereas mm -hmm. on a rebuilder, I am just focused absolutely on getting as much free value as humanly possible. Um, but... 
I do, like, in tight back, I'm in kind of a weird spot where my team is young and talented, but definitely also not a contender. And it doesn't necessarily make sense to just sell off a bunch of 22-year-olds that are scoring eight points per game. But on the flip side, I'm not going to win anything. So on those, I guess I'll pay a bit more attention to waivers. Um, But I guess a lot of it comes down to, like, how deep is your bench depth? Am I really going to find someone that will force me to drop someone that I've already invested into? Um, Oh, yeah. That's part of the problem, too. And Um, Well, that's just it. Am I going to find someone that's going to make me drop Rondell Moore? Probably not. Yeah. So you're saying you're saying you have some leagues that are, I mentioned. You, I saw you mention this in chat today mm-hmm. that you were like, "Oh man, it's bye weeks. I have to start. I actually have to start doing start sits in some of my leagues now." Yep. That you were so deep in those leagues that you didn't have to do start sits at all. Um, some of them, it's just obvious. Uh, like in my home league, my running backs are Brees Hall, Bijan Robinson, and Jameer Gibbs. It doesn't suck. Um, my number four is Cam Akers. Mm-hmm. So it's like, all right, I know who I'm going to start. It's going to be two yeah, of those like, guys. Yeah, Cam Akers <laughs> over Jameer Gibbs. Like, mm. play. Hmm. Or I guess, like, I guess like, stuff like that. But it's like, it's pretty clear who the best players are. Um, once we start getting into buys, though, like, Mike Evans has been absolutely shut down. So I just plug and play. Uh, well, now he's on bye. So now I have to pick between Drake London and uh, Garrett Wilson. Two very good football players with two very bad quarterbacks. Um, <laughs> and I've been picking between them, but now I have to start them both because Puka Nakua, who I got as a free agent, is gonna play. Yay! Yeah. Uh, but it, that's that's the kind of thing you start running into, is do I start, you know, Drake London, who gets three targets a game because the Falcons are poverty, or do I start Jahan Dotson, who also has not been doing super great? <laughs> or do I start Jamison Williams, who's getting his first start of the season this week? It, it's, you start, it gets difficult, you know? I don't just, like, get to sit in yeah. autopilot, especially on contenders where you really start focusing on having that talent at the top and, like, pushing into today points. Mm-hmm. It's no, I totally yeah. That, that's that's where I'm um, like, eh. I hate setting my lineup because now I have to think. I I'm having part of that issue this week. So, I because I just started playing Dynasty in like 2020, in mm-hmm. my first year. My longest Dynasty league is only three years long, mm-hmm. and I so I sold into a rebuild pretty early during that startup, and this is just finding a time where I'm starting to reap the benefits of of that rebuild. And my running backs in that league are Bijan, um, Austin Eckler, uh, Brees Hall, um, Josh Jacobs, and Devon Achan. Achan, mm-hmm. Achan right? Yeah. Correct. Devon Achan. And I have to figure out which one of those, like two of those guys every week to bench. Luckily, Eckler's been injured, so it's only been one of them. And well, hmm. Achan has only broke out recently. But still, having to bench one of Jacobs, Bijan, uh, Achan, or... Um, all is gonna be tough. Well, and that's just it. Um, is having having depth is great. I will never tell anyone not to have depth, but have fun starting the right people every week. And that's I mean, where yeah, it's just getting difficult. Bye weeks I, I also always, do make that easier sometimes because it makes the decision for you. 
Yeah, the, the, the bye weeks, like, certainly help you with your decision-making. And I feel like every year there's always, like... Like, you, you want to play, like, what the matchups are, but there's all, like... And, and those can be a little deceiving depending on, you know, a million different things. But there's always, like, two or three teams where you're just, like... Especially with running backs, where you're just, like, start a team's third-string running back against them because they might just hit pay dirt, you know? Like... Um, that's kind of like the Broncos this year, though. I mean, Roshan Johnson didn't really do anything, but Khalil Herbert like went completely insane, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's so. It's just a way of like f- kind of like funneling through there, but yeah, I mean, de- like if you're a contender, depth is king, and like that's the kind of good problem you want to have. Yeah. Here, here's a question I have: Then, is how much time do you guys spend every week coming through waivers, setting lineups? your dynasty teams um i i I usually like look when i'm thinking about waivers like i i always when when the games are about to start on sunday i'm like combing the waivers to like look through to see to like you know star guys or anything like that and see like okay who could potentially pop off like this week and throughout the games on sunday like even on my contending teams, I always like having like one or two roster spots that I think are completely expendable and just funnel through and cut free agents like throughout the day if you're in a league who could do that. Just because you never know like what could happen, you know? Like if if all of a sudden like somebody gets hurt, like a running back, like yeah, like and there's a 3 p.m. game and Emmanuel Wilson's playing and he's only behind A.J. Dillon and Patrick Taylor, like cut cut somebody that you don't really care about and scoop them up because you never know like what's going to happen. And that's a lot better than bidding all your fab. Um, but, but I, I I like thinking ahead to the, like the, the, the week that's coming on that Sunday morning to like, try to get ahead of anybody like on contenders. Planning Um, ahead. Mm -hmm. What was that? Just planning ahead. Look at this guy planning ahead. I could never. <laughs> well, well, yeah. It's it's like in like we had in the comments here. Like everyone's been talking about Jaleel McLaughlin, like how he's this really hot waiver wire pickup, and some people are are like, well, who's that? I don't know who Jaleel McLaughlin is. Why isn't Samaj P Ryan running? And like the real ones do know that Jaleel McLaughlin better. has been he's been having smoke for for well over a month now you know mm-hmm. i i do hate to admit the only reason i knew about him to begin with is because dwf kept posting about it in tdm chat and i had to, <laughs> you forced me to go look at this guy because i just didn't get any of the references that you were making i was like dude this mclaughlin guy i'm like i do not know who this guy is it's time to do my due diligence and find out um but i think that's partially because I'm, I'm also a little bit new to dynasty and so a lot of the, the some of the finer nuances are something that i haven't really gotten yet and i think because a lot of people have this conception of dynasty as someone where something where you hold these players for a long time totally the more and more i play dynasty the more and more i'm surprised to find out the people that do it really well treat it almost more in like two or three year redraft periods Mm -hmm. and they have a constant roster churn and they're churning through assets all the time trying to figure out what works what doesn't um and that's something I've, i've tried to adopt this okay so there were two approaches this year one approach this year was like i'm in enough leagues now I'm doing this for fun. I don't want to spend that much time on it. I'm just not going to do waivers the entire year. And if I miss out on someone, that's on me. And that's just an L I will accept. 
And then after week one, I sent out like 12 trades for Puka in every single league because I heard <laughs> on it. And then I was Dang. like, fuck, this approach clearly isn't working. I, I'm not like, I'm having more fun just trying to, you know, stand on the low draft cap guys and play the waivers. So now I'm, I've been rethinking that approach a lot recently because of, of how much gold there can be on a waiver wire like that. And, you know, managing the leagues is different. Um, you know, Puka means a lot more in my point per first down and full point per reception league where he puts up like 34 points every week. That's because, insane. Yeah, Ouch. it's absolutely not. He's a cheat code because he, he gets, <laughs> yeah, he gets like an extra two points per reception because he gets just his, makes his money off these seven, eight yard first down receptions, right? And that's just a full extra two points. So he just puts up like 34 points and he it just will that's win insane. the week for you. Yeah, it's insane. It's just like an extra point and a half. Um, and so remembering when I was trying to trade for Puka in that league, like the owner was like, dude, like Puka's going to be gold in this league. And I remember thinking like, why? And I had to look at, I remember having to look at the league settings and then forget first forgetting how to do that because I'm still, still getting used to the sleeper UI despite being, you know, three well, years they change this. it all the time now. Yeah. Sleeper UI oh, is the, the, uh, it, it's actually illegal in many countries because it's considered torture. <laughs> It sent many people to the hospital for brain aneurysms. Yes. Um, and those uh, that didn't get sent were wishing for it. Yeah. 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 But I, I just remember thinking like, oh my God, if I'm going to have to figure out what his value is in every league, if it's going to be this different, like I'm just going to melt into the couch for a little bit. Into my, the couch I don't have, it is currently non-existent. Um, and that's, I will that's send you a couch across the country. <laughs> also, open invitation for anyone listening right now. If you want a couch, call me. I'm half expecting someone to send me like a blow up couch, which I think would be hilarious. But I don't even think I could fit one in my like small studio. Anyways, um, yeah, and I've I've been wondering if anyone does like a, a spreadsheet approach where they they can just easily reference things. They will sit on a computer Sunday morning and just like pull up a spreadsheet and look through their scoring settings and the teams, figure out what they need and what they might have on waiver wires because. It, you know, doing the full process of what I do in redraft of like looking through everyone's team, seeing seeing what's on everyone's teams and scouring the waiver wires that way for, you know, who might need mm -hmm. what trades and whatnot. Dynasty is kind of nice because you can be like, I stand this guy and I will go get him. And yeah, that's really nice. But that can also have a lot of time as well. Emotional investment of going through and picking out players on these teams that you want to trade for. Yeah, I, I think like if you're in as many leagues as you are like i think that maybe doing a spreadsheet would be helpful because like the more leagues that you're in the less of like that human psychology element you can really apply and the more like you kind of just need to look at your guys like numbers yeah you know like what, what's their production like how old they are like like stuff like that it like in, in something like your home league where you can like g give out like psyche veils <laughs> on people like then you can get like a big edge on that and like i'll spend so much time in my home league like just analyzing the waiver looking at everybody's team and like thinking of like ways to fake out like how you play the waiver wire and like you know the the smack talk that you're doing in group chats but Dude, you got faked out in rivals on the waiver wire holy shit <laughs> <laughs> i mean like like stuff like that yeah. yeah like silly stuff like that but if you're in like 10 or 11 leagues like you 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 literally can't do that you know um yeah. i found a related problem i found this year was usually 
in leagues, when I was only in five or six league, it was very much easier to be out or in on a player, right? Like if mm-hmm. I if I didn't like a player, I just would I would trade them away for you know whatever I could get in most leagues and and kind of be at peace with that. But once I had enough leagues, like there was a really good example this year where I had I had a couple of rosters with DeAndre Swift because I I thought this change of scenery might be really good for a player that I thought had some talent. And then he didn't get any snaps week one. Like he didn't get any. I think he got like what, a one carry. And it was like four percent or something like that. Yeah, and it was like four percent of snaps. And I was like, "Fuck, they do not think this guy is good. I need to get this guy off my roster for whatever I can get." And that was. I went and looked at all my leagues and tried to trade him away, which wasn't the right play for each team, because I didn't take the time to fully evaluate where each team was. And one of my teams that could have really used like an R, you know, kind of like an RB four, almost handcuff type, which is what I thought Swift was going to be. I traded Swift away for Darnell Mooney because I just oh, wanted to trade no. him away. Ouch! In other leagues, like I traded Swift away for value, but because I had this like really poor mindset for managing multiple teams, I, d- I didn't quite evaluate what the team needed and what I got from it. So I traded away for scraps, and now <laughs> I'm really regretting that. Um, and I'm, I'm maybe thinking like, man, I need a better approach for, for how I really do this instead of just like all vibes all the time, hundred percent gas. I mean, at the end of the day, it's a game, right? Yeah. It is. So, it... I mean, there's the money aspect to it too. Like it's fun to, you know, win a championship at the end of the day and come home with some cash. But really for me, it's just a subscription to have fun and talk shit with other people. That uh, is true. But I do vibe. Yeah, it's for me. I actually have started pairing teams up a little bit. Like my marathon team, I would say is a fringe contender on the younger side. Probably next year is really more of a year where like it should be good. Um, and then on the flip side, my tight back team is a fringe rebuilder. It's not as awful as some of the other teams, but it's probably a top five picker. Um, so I just do all of the waiver work on tight back and then all of the contending work and lineup setting on marathon. And they just function as one team for me, like brain wise. And the well, settings are yeah. similar enough where I know tight back hasn't, has the super flex and the second, you know, tight end in there, <laughs> that whole thing. But yeah, that's. <laughs> but beyond that, I mean, the scoring settings are basically the same. Like, the points are still the points. It's just whether or not you have an extra person in a certain position. So that keeps me in a pretty solid mindset for running things. Um, And frankly, there are some leagues I just don't really pay attention to anymore. Uh, I've found the more leagues I join and the more invested into them I am, the less, I guess, uh, interested I am in them. It it becomes like... like, when I only had my home league for the first... Like, I didn't join another Dynasty League until 2019. My first one was a 2015 startup. Uh, and I was just all in on that. My home league is still, like, my baby. It's a free league. We have a trophy. And I am just, like, laser-focused on that because I see... I have, like, three people at work in that league. I have some friends I grew up with in that league. Uh, I can send a text and say... Um, you know, instead of, like, responding to somebody via sleeper when they send you something just like 
declining it. Like, I can call my friend who sends me an awful deal for Nakua and say, like, go fuck yourself and hang up. <laughs> um, yeah. So there's that aspect that I really like with my home league and just knowing who you're playing with. But on the flip side, once you start to have enough teams where you have like a share of every player, you stop to really care about the players because it's like, eh, I don't care if this guy does well or not. Cause I have a share of everyone. Um, so yeah, yeah I've, I've, I've kind of, not to lose, which is hard, which yeah. is how I end up trading swiftly in every league because I want, I want, I basically, the way I want to play dynasty is I want every roster to look the same. And that's never going to happen. Well, and that's just it. Is all of my rosters are very similar through seven leagues, uh, give or crazy. take. No, uh, I, I mean, there's there's obviously a lot of non-overlap, but, like, I have Wandale pretty much everywhere because he is him. Uh, I have you're, a ton you're of Dotson. the biggest Wandale stand I, I love Wandale. I had, okay, I can't take that away from the uh, analytics dudes that just love Wandale also. But... I have a lot of overlap between a lot of these teams. And at a certain point, it's like, why have all of these teams if it's just the same roster anyway? But the more I differentiate my rosters, the less I care. Yeah, I I do think that there's something to be said about, like, growing attached to players. Because, like, at the end of the day, like, it is a game and we are out to have fun. And I find if I get to the point where I truly view everybody as just numbers, like a means to an end, like I'm not having fun. Like, mm-hmm. like, like Puka, Puka is just like so fun to watch, you know, like, and, and I got really lucky in my home league. Getting oh, and he's Christian just a McCaffrey beautiful, week. beautiful man. Yeah. Like, like getting Christian McCaffrey from the rookie draft that year in my home league, like I will forever stand Christian McCaffrey and a bunch of other things. And, like, to me, I get more enjoyment out of the game when I still have, like, those little attachments. Um, but I do think, like, it can be a little helpful for that because, like, uh, for, for actually playing the game. Because, like, in order to tell if you're a contender or not, like, there's, there's like, two aspects that you're looking at, right? Like, the, you're looking at your, your own roster construction, and then you're basing that against everyone else's roster construction in the league. So... If, if you have a team that's competitive in one league um, and you're a contender and you can somehow replicate that in other leagues to as close as you could, like it would stand to reason that those would also probably be contenders too. Like unless there's just like massive super teams or like lacking parity or something like that. But like that, that's enough yeah, to get yeah. you most of the way i think to make it so that you don't have to give equal attention and so much attention to like every single league because it gets to a point where it's just like work and it's not even fun yeah you know i i've been kind of come close to that at times um one of the questions i had is because this happens i've seen a number of people do this the more redraft leagues they enter in is they won't take a player because they have them on other teams I'm not necessarily the same way. I'm very comfortable having the same roster across multiple leagues, but I've always wondered what the, the real value is in hedging, right? Because if you if you have a good roster, like you you know you have thoughts and ideas about players, you are confident about them, you you think they're going to win, it would stand a reason that you would want them on every team, because you're trying to get every team to win. Well, but that's... there's also a, a way to think where you know you're not trying to get every team to win. You're trying to get one team to win. And there you want to diversify your assets, right? And I've always wondered, like, 
how people go about that and whether they do like a full cost analysis on the leagues and they decide like this is a league where they can hedge or this is a league where they want to you know they would like to win to give the best odds of winning right yeah I, I think that there's like ways to do that with certain players that you might be iffy on like mm-hmm. I, I have a couple shares about the player that I have the most intrusive thoughts on Jonathan Mingo I have a couple <laughs> shares of Jonathan Mingo across my leagues but like I know that he's probably not going to do anything, but if he does do something, I just want to have him somewhere, you know, to, yeah, to prove yeah. that I could say, like, I I had intrusive thoughts about Jonathan Mingo at two in the morning, and this is my proof, you know? Like, I need that to mean something. You got a message from God. He told you to go out and buy this guy. His name was Jonathan Mingo. <laughs> yeah, but, 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 but with, like, with guys that are kind of, like, tiered out, like and known commodities i don't I don't necessarily know if you really need to hedge bets on that like unless unless you're just like really worried about the running back injury bug you know like nick chubb for example but i don't know burn what do you think well i don't really see the point in hedging uh if you believe in a guy you believe in the guy um but the other way and i've thought about this before especially for people that are in Let's say you're in 12, 12 12-team leagues. On average, you're going to win once every year. And that will pay for those dues for that year. And then you pay in again. And at a certain point, if you're diversifying enough where you're just winning enough money to pay for it again, then what's the point? Like, you're never going to win. You're never going to lose. You're just kind of going through the motions. So I think there's a lot of value to just planting your flag on people and saying you know what this is my guy and if i'm gonna be in a bunch of leagues i'm just gonna double up on them and triple up on them and if i win i'm just gonna explode and i'm gonna win a ton of money and if i'm not yeah. well then that so be it but i don't really see the value in just winning just enough to keep going and that's kind of what hedging does yeah, let me run by you both a scenario then where mm-hmm. one of my buddies in he's a very good dynasty player, usually ends up with like pretty good rosters just by taking bets on like cheap and old production. Mm-hmm. Like they gave him a lot of shit for buying Adam Thielen for like third and fourth round picks everywhere. And now I'm looking like the real dumb guy for giving him shit because Adam Thielen is just the only body that can catch a ball on the Panthers right now. Even if his yards per route run isn't isn't very good, right? Which was, mm-hmm. you know, the thing I referenced for it. But he had he did a trade this summer where on one of his very good contending rosters, he traded Stephon Diggs for Devontae Adams straight up. Mm-hmm. Damn. And I remember thinking, like, that's a two-year difference, right? Stephon Diggs might reasonably give you two more good years of production. I cannot really say the same for Devontae Adams. And I asked him about it, and he said, I knew the trade would get accepted, and I had Stephon Diggs everywhere, and I wanted to diversify my assets. Yeah, I... And I that strikes me as a bit odd but i mean i've seen people play the game that way i see that the same way that i see like stacks so a lot of people let's say you have uh jamar chase a lot of people would be like oh well i don't want t higgins because they can't both blow up in the same week and if i have them both i don't want to start them like start them both because they probably won't blow up in the same week and the thing i always ask people is if you had jamar chase but you didn't have T. Higgins, would you start Jamar Chase? And they say yes. And then I say, well, if you had T. Higgins and you didn't have Jamar Chase, would you start T. Higgins? And the answer is yes. And I'm like, all right, then start them both. Um, 
and by that same token with hedging, it's like, oh, well, I don't want Stefan Diggs in one spot because I have him in another. And if he loses in one spot, then he'll lose in the other. I'm like, yeah, well, if you'd prefer him than Devontae Adams there, then you should prefer him in the other league too. Just because you happen to have him doesn't mean you shouldn't just think he's a better guy to have. And I never right. really understand that concept, I guess. I um, mean, like, if, if you're in, like, a bunch of leagues, though, like like that guy is, and you're routinely good at them, I, I, could, I could see, like, just choosing one of those leagues to be like, you know what, fuck it. Like, like I, like, I don't know if this guy has ever had Devontae Adams or anything, but like, I, I could maybe see somebody being in the position of being like, you know what? I've never had Devontae Adams. Like, I know that this trade will be accepted, cold offer, no questions asked. I yeah. just want Devontae Adams, like, what, like while I th- still think he could potentially be in his prime and, you know, just doing something silly like that, um, be, be for for the reasons that I mentioned earlier, kind of like with Jonathan Mingo, like, you know, like if a guy just goes off, like part of the fun is being able to like hold something up, even if the process is stupid and makes no sense, like you can hold it up and say, you know what? I, I believed in this and I wanted to do it. It's kind of like uh, two years ago when Cordero Patterson mm-hmm. was a running back one, uh, Scotty, trade in one of his leagues traded a first round pick for him just because he yeah. was like he was just like you know what fuck it like Cordell Patterson seems to be going off I want to have ship. fun and he ended up winning the championship just because he like everyone else was like no way Cordero Patterson is going through a legitimate 28 year old breakout and and he did you know like mm-hmm. but but Scotty's in enough leagues where he could just kind of go you know have that line of thinking where it's like okay like this isn't going to ruin me if i do this in like one of my leagues and i would rather i would rather throw process out the window and, and have fun with it than like do the right thing you know yeah he told me it was the right thing though which is but i do understand what you're saying and i felt this before too it, i felt it this summer bringing it back uh, to the zach wilson talk from earlier this is a, this is an anecdote i've been sitting on for a bit but uh, I I had I did I loved Brees Hall as a prospect and I really wanted a Brees Hall share, so I turned to one of the guys in my home league and I offered him two first round picks, Debo Samuel, and he sat on the offer for a bit. And he's like, dude, I really need a quarterback. And I, as a meme, threw in Zach Wilson to the deal. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that got accepted, right? So mm-hmm. I just paid two first Debo Samuel and Zach Wilson for a Brees Hall share just because I really wanted a Brees Hall share. And of course, now it's hilarious because Zach Wilson's a starting quarterback and might, you know, who knows after last game might actually be decent. I mean, game. yeah, his, his projected right points, though, are still it, like his projected points are still like 12 against yeah, Denver. That's a little Wilson high. Managing to have an equal number of touchdowns and interceptions. Yeah, that would be a good game. Um, so I know I, I think it's it's always been interesting to me to see how do people different people play it because uh, especially once you you accept that you are not you as a human are not going to exercise good process a hundred percent of the time like a whole door opens to you and you could do a lot of very interesting things. Yeah, so, well I, I I think sorry, Burn, do you, yeah. did you want to go? Yeah, I have. I was to say I had one last point on this topic and I'll let yeah. you go after I uh, bring it up. Um, sure. It's about diversifying also, um, and why I don't like it. 
is uh, so I guess it's a little bit of a harsh segue here, but or I guess a t- callback here, but uh, I hate it because in one league I had Mike Evans a couple weeks ago go up for like thirty six points or something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, he just had a massive week, and I'm having a great time scrolling through. I just walloped my team or my opponent in that one, and I'm scrolling down, and then I got walloped by Mike Evans in the next game I checked. So it's hard to get excited about big games for a lot of these guys if you diversify too much because they just whoop the shit out of you too whenever you have yeah. a great game. Totally. So, yeah, I, yeah. I, I, I've always found, I, I've always had complicated, uh, a complicated relationship with that too. Like, yeah, if you diversify hard enough, then like in some leagues, like you're rooting for your guy to get 383 three points because if he gets 38.4 he beats you in another one and Mm -hmm. it's like what are we doing here like (laughs) you just sound like you need to be on some sort of medication um but uh but but yeah i mean i i think that sometimes like you do just need to like throw out good process if if it means that you'll have more fun than than what the process is then like uh then like what the process traditionally says then like go ahead and do it you know like like you're at at the end of the day like it is a game and you're in it to have fun um and if you if if there's a guy that you feel really strongly about like that you would do pretty much stupid things to get him like those are the kind of guys that you want to have on your team like one way or the other like like puka nakua i i think i said this this story uh a couple weeks ago and you know like it was certainly going on in the main chat the Monday after week one, when he had those 15 targets, mm-hmm. um, I was posting in the chat saying that I approached my, my home league guy asking the price on Puka. Cause I think he got him in like the fourth round or something like that the, mm-hmm. of a rookie draft. And I said, what's your price? And he said, well, Cooper cups out and you know, the price could go up in the future. If he keeps, if his numbers keep looking this good, um and he was like so like a second round pick would do it like as of this moment and so i offered him tank bigsby because i drafted tank bigsby in the second round and i got clowned by everyone in the chat now he didn't take tank bigsby because he was like no i only want a second round pick so then i shopped tank bigsby around my league nobody would give me a second round pick so finally i found a guy in my league who was like well i really need a wide receiver and Christian Kirk had a very mediocre week one. It looked really bad. He mm-hmm. did not have like good numbers at all. So I approached him and I was just like, look, man, like I didn't want to do, I, I didn't want to like get proper value for Christian Kirk or anything. I just saw this as an easy way to get a second round pick. So I said, I'll do it for a second round pick and a 2025 third round pick. Mm-hmm. He said, sure. After I got the verbal, then I turned that into Puka and it happened to work out like, yeah. you know, but, but the, like, that like reading the narrative and like seeing seeing us light each other's fire in the main chat of just like yeah this guy is pretty fun yeah like it going from like hmm this is an interesting scenario right here to us going goo goo gaga over it like was maybe the most fun i've ever had in dynasty just seeing Mm -hmm. that unfold now it happened to work out on a historic proportion but you know i think that's what the game's all about yeah. Have you guys heard of the, the infamous Jameis bidding war? Uh, <laughs> I'm sure you'll tell us. He posted on r slash dynasty, which was hilarious. But mm-hmm. the Jameis Winston was like the guy's 101 startup pick. Mm-hmm. Um, and like 
four years later, uh, it announced like it got announced that Jameis Winston was going to be the starting QB on the Saints. Mm-hmm. And so, like everyone in his league, kind of as a meme, went over to the waiver wire and were trading for each other's fabs so that they could <laughs> all out each other to get Jameis Winston <laughs> off the waivers. And they started giving up like real assets too because it became a game, right? You're not going to beat up, get beat up by your friend. And so it ended up being like four people ended up with like 500 fab to try to bid on Jameis Winston <laughs> after selling off like a bunch of assets. <laughs> and they were like all time trying to time trade and like stamp into the middle and I like, all that they could win Jameis Winston. For like the two starts he gave you that year, which is like, <laughs> well, yeah, didn't he get hurt that year too? Hmm? I was gonna say, didn't he get hurt that year too? Yeah, he like yeah. got hurt after the second game, and T- Taysom Hill ended up starting because that's yeah. just what Taysom Hill does. Incredible. Yeah, he just starts if they needed a defensive end, they'd throw him in there. You know, if, if Dynasty should be about anything, it should be it should be about that. You yeah, know? fun, like, just ultimate... funny stuff. Yeah, um, have fun with it. It, it, it. it would be nice to win every now and then. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. I'm not trying, not trying to have this be like a complete money sink, but I, I do appreciate the stories like that that come out of people just deciding to throw a process out of the window and being like, you know what's more important to me right now? That I rostered Jameis Winston. You bet. You know, the, the, the year that I won my home league, uh, I should not have done this at all, but like I want, I did not want to miss out on history. So I, I had a heavy, heavily favorited team, and I, I already locked up the playoffs, but I didn't lock up the bye. I had a heavily favored team against one of the worst leagues in my team, or in my league, and yeah. I picked up Kendall Hinton off of the waiver wire when he started as the quarterback for the Broncos because of COVID. <laughs> and I was like, I'm going to start Kendall Hinton. And he ended up getting like negative three. Yeah, but but I was like, no, I want to live in infamy, and I ended up clawing that game out by the skin of my teeth. And if I lost that game, I like would have extrapolated out. I would not have won the championship. So that was really wow. dumb of me because I didn't have the buy locked up yet. But it was like, you know, it, I want to start Kendall Hinton. Like when when you're at the top of the league, you get to do dumb things like this and i i want to say that i started kendall hinton when he was a quarterback so i think the fantasy gods rewarded you there they rewarded you for your bravery and they rewarded you with a championship i do not think this was all intentional this was three three weeks later alvin kamara got me six touchdowns in one game so (laughs) there we go go. (laughs) so speaking of doing dumb shit let's go let's turn a leaf because NFL teams do that all the time. Like, the good old Patriots giving three-year, $30 million contracts to 30-year-old Devontae Parker, if we can add more threes to that. Uh, or the Bears existing. Or... Okay. Yeah, so on and so forth. Um, but I guess the question becomes, you have people that are professional managers of multi-billion dollar organizations... Uh, why do things like this happen? Uh, why does it? Why is it that the Patriots have the highest payroll for wide receivers, despite the fact that the average person couldn't name a single person on that team? Uh, is, isn't that the Broncos? <laughs> not, not to get pedantic. Uh, I know you're. This point. year, maybe. Last year, I know the Patriots were like twenty to thirty percent above everyone else. Yeah, um, but this... they paid all this money to wide receivers, and the best wide receiver they have on the roster is a sixth-round rookie. Yeah, so it's 
why do things like this happen? And Bacon, you with your uh, understated genius would probably be a good one to start this off with. <laughs> sure. Um, um, so there's there's a couple ways I think you can approach this. Mm -hmm. And the level one way to approach this is humans make mistakes. Mm -hmm. um, and they do dumb things sometimes. Um, the The that's kind of like the level one answer that i think is pervasive under this entire discussion mm -hmm. right like just humans do dumb things sometimes i think one of the interesting things to answer is why do some teams routinely do dumb things and they're yes. not just one-off mistakes why are some franchises doomed to be eternal poverty while others are just writing greatness for you know why why are some you know mike tomlin franchises have winning records for the last 50 million years and others can't buy a winning season to save their goddamn lives. Mm -hmm. um, and I think to get to the, to the deep seated differences in between teams and specific, specifically management, uh, you have to go a bit deeper. Um, I, I read a story kind of like a, a study done a while back on how much coaching changes affect team performance. Mm -hmm. um, and they looked at it across a number of different sports. So it wasn't purely football. And they found that it actually had very little impact on team performance. And I, I would, that kind of rings your alarm bells off as a football fan, right? Because yeah. you are told a narrative uh, that coaching is one of the most important things for a football team to have, particularly because of how good teams have, have been good for so long. Um, and, you know, especially the, the something like the Steelers and, and uh, even teams like, I guess, the Chiefs are building a dynasty nowadays, the 49ers back in the late 80s and, and all throughout the 90s. And now. Um, the the, the kind of like the level two answer is quarterback play, is that good quarterback play keeps your franchise relevant for a super, super long time. Mm -hmm. um, and it's, you know, just that safety net of having a good player at one of the best position on your team will give you a lot of leeway to make bad decisions, but also, you know, allow you to take more risks as well. Right. Because these GMs are under a lot of pressure, like fantasy managers. Right. I think if we were put in a lot of teams for like over half the teams in league, we would sell every asset, including the stadium, including, you know, our the own clothes on our back for more draft picks. And mm -hmm. we would try and build from there. Right. But these, these, GMs and team need to have a bottom line of filling the stadium. Um, so they will do, you know, procedurally dumb things, but, you know, if their goal is to have a nine and eight season, then, then that's, that's like Tomlin, there, right? <laughs> yeah. Right. They, they're, they aren't necessarily trying to, to win the Super Bowl every year. They're trying to have what in their minds is a successful season. So I think one of the problems is that from our minds, the goal should be for every team to win a Super Bowl every year, but in every GM's mind, that might not necessarily be the case. And so I think taking it almost by a, a team by team basis and understanding what that team's goals might be, uh, will give you an insight into how their team operates. Like I think the Texans are probably a good example, uh, going into the year, them understanding that they weren't going to try and have a big payroll to pay any of the wide receivers like maybe the Patriots might mm -hmm. might have seemed like a, <laughs> a dumb idea right but I mean it's working out for them because now they they can if when they do want to make a run they're going to have a big um, budget to sign a lot of the important free agent guys that might come like a T Higgins I think that would be a good fit for the Texans and I think that like that would make a lot of sense but uh, sometimes I think it's because fantasy managers can be a bit 
short-sighted as well. But the, the other third way to approach this is from um, a historial, like uh, there's a specific, <laughs> this, we're gonna get into some deep history uh, psychoanalysis stuff. I don't know if you guys are ready for this. But Let's do it. Ready. You guys are ready? Okay. So there's a couple ways that you can study history. And one of them is historiography, which mm -hmm. is the study of the study of history. So it's a meta history. So you, you get into uh, one of the ways you can study this is through psychoanalysis. So there's psychoanalysis level one, which is understanding a psychology of a historical figure and using their kind of brain chemistry and their decision making and their sociology and their, their surroundings to understand why they did the way they did. Mm -hmm. Like the, the level one example of this is uh, there's been a ton of psychoanalysis done on, you know, Hitler because he's just kind of history's biggest boogeyman. Right. Mm -hmm. But I think it would be interesting if you applied that to some of the NFL GMs as well. Like, have you guys watched the, the Howie Roseman uh, interview with um, on, the, on the Kelsey podcast? I have not. I have not. Okay. It's really interesting. He basically, at a very young age, as a kid, as a nine-year-old kid, mm -hmm. sat on the floor of his, his room watching the TV with a pen and paper and was trying to assemble good football rosters with players that he liked watching and thought were good. Mm -hmm. As a nine-year-old, is it that's... any shock the Eagles are good now? That's ridiculous. Yeah, that, that, is, that is ridiculous. I've met a lot of nine-year-olds. And they're, they're, they're all iPad kids now. And the fact that they, yeah. the fact that he was watching games long enough to have favorites is incredible. Yeah. Um, and I think that it gets you thinking a lot of like what a good organization does. And I think that you, the Eagles are a good example, right? Where um, for Howie Roseman, it's been clear that like his life is football. Um, and he understands it to such an intimate level that he more often than not is going to make good decisions. I think a lot of franchises that don't make good decisions are because they promote people that uh, for whatever reason have close personal connections or were promoted for reasons that were not necessarily football reasons mm -hmm. um, and then are put in positions to make bad decisions. And I think that can explain why a lot of teams make poor decisions. I think the, like the classic example of this is like Bill O'Brien as GM, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, where he has no GM experience, but you put him in charge of a, a football team as GM and he tanks it within two years. The reason the Texans look so bad now, well, aside from Deshaun Watson deciding that he was actually going to be one of the biggest pieces of shit on the planet, mm -hmm. um, because Bill O'Brien made a, like he, he's kind of like the the way I equate it is he's the 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 guy that inherited an orphan came into league and just like made a bunch of taco moves immediately. <laughs> you were like, yeah. we might need a, we might need a new manager for the orphan team. You mean um, trading away DeAndre Hopkins for peanuts was a bad move? I can't yeah, believe that. Trading trading away like a first round pick for the washed body of um I, even, I can't even remember his name. Who's the David Johnson? David That's Johnson. Yeah. Well, let's give Bill O'Brien some dues. Like, I th I think, didn't he trade, like, a fourth-round pick for him? It but was, he was DeAndre like, Hopkins. I thought it was DeAndre Hopkins and a pick for David Johnson. No. Yes, that's what something it, like that. No. He was absolutely abysmal. No, he, it was, there's like, no way forward. it was that bad. Uh, I'm pulling forward. it up right now. Um, yeah, pull, it, pull that up. All right, all right. Uh, yeah, it was DeAndre Hopkins for, like, a... Yeah, it okay. was really bad. 
the Houston Texans traded DeAndre Hopkins to the Arizona Cardinals for running back David Johnson, a move that the Texans announced Saturday after it was widely reported on Monday. As part of the trade, the Cardinals will also send the Texans a second-round pick and a fourth-round pick. The Cardinals will also receive a fourth-round selection. So it's basically Hopkins for a second-rounder <laughs> and David Johnson. Well, So it's Hopkins for a second-rounder. But Which, also like, remember that this was four seasons ago. Yeah. This was 27-year-old DeAndre Hopkins, not 31-year-old DeAndre Hopkins. Yeah, I mean, it was it was definitely it prime Hopkins. But but it speaks to like what Bacon was was saying like about like like Bill O'Brien was clearly trying to like big brain it and I I think like yeah. a, like a lot of people in these positions like they they aren't necessarily doing these boneheaded moves because like they're like oh I'm just gonna be a giant idiot right now like a lot of mm -hmm. them have massive egos because in order to get like uh a job in that position you have to have like you have to think that you're the best you know so like yeah like i'm sure that ryan poles knew of chase claypool's character concerns you know to to further shit on my bears i'm sure ryan mm. poles looked at the team that he assembled and probably thought like well <laughs> it's so funny to say this all out but he probably thought well, we do things different here on the Chicago Bears. We can fix it. You know, like, like it's probably a combination of that. It's what crazy that? to me that the Bears spent a third-round pick on Valus Jones. Dude, and then I in that same stop, season, stop. seeing that their wide receiver was still – or their wide receiver core outside of, like, Darnell Mooney, he is a fine journeyman wide receiver in, like, actual football, thought – well, Valus Jones didn't work out, so let's trade for younger Valus Jones with the 32nd overall pick. Bro. <laughs> okay, first off, younger Valus Jones, but Valus Jones was a rookie last year, so. Yeah, he but. He's really the veteran. Hmm? Valus Jones, because he's like 38 years old already <sighs> in his second season. Look, man, I don't, like, the, the, yeah, Poles is clearly big-braining because, because he also looked at, Jalen Carter at pick number nine and stared at him in the face and said, you know what? Like, yeah, you're great, but you don't, you, you just don't fit our culture here. Whatever. It's that okay. Means. The lions did that too. And as far as I'm aware, the lions front office right now might actually know what they're doing. So they yeah, get a pass yeah. on that. A lot of people did that because they just decided Philadelphia should be better. Well, like yeah. that and like, you know, maybe maybe a guy like Jalen Carter, maybe he does have character issues and the, they don't really the the kind of character issues that he has or that GMs don't feel confident with is like, okay, Jalen Carter is obviously looking like a transcendent talent right now, but if you put him on a team where the team sucks and he's asked to be like a leader and a hero, does he do the same thing or does he quit, you know, mm -hmm. but, but he landed yeah. on the Eagles and he doesn't have to be the hero because they have Jalen hurts, AJ Brown, Devonte Smith, uh, you know, Deandre Swift, um, all these people who are also studs and like winning for them more often than not is a foregone conclusion. But if you put, if you put Jalen Carter on the bears or the, or the, panthers or something like where he would be like the only stud 
would he just be like the Chase Claypool? Like, I'm just going to stay home? I don't know. Well, and that's... There's a very old saying that says winning hides problems. Or Yeah, winning solves everything, too. Yeah, same thing. Yeah. It's yeah. Uh, Jalen Carter. I mean, who knows? First off, he's on a team full of Georgia Bulldogs, so it's a lot of people he already knew. It's a culture that he's comfortable with. So when you look at someone like that who has red flags personality-wise dropped from probably should have been a top-four pick in the draft down to 10 uh, because of these red flags, you put him in a culture that he's comfortable with where, like you said, he doesn't have to be the guy, and also they're very good, and mm-hmm. like there's no reason to be a problem. You put him on the Bears, and all of a sudden yeah. you yeah. start to think, wow, this team sucks. And they're holding me back. And that's when you okay, start I, seeing I things also. What's up? I have a question for you both. I promised you both it's related. It's just not going to seem like that right now. That's fine. But um, if it, do you believe, and I'm asking each of you individually this question, mm-hmm. do you believe that if you let someone do something for long enough, that they can become good at it as long as it doesn't involve any of like their physical attributes? So like, you know, we're not talking about like if you give someone ten years to become a good wide receiver, you know, they're not not yeah. going to be. But if you give someone enough time to become a good GM, could they do it? Uh, do I let you start? Uh, <clears throat> I think that if you gave somebody with with like the GM position, I think that if you gave somebody, let's say, five years, and we're like. No matter what happens, you will be our GM for five years, like at, mm-hmm. at minimum. Um, mm-hmm. I do like I I do think that that amount of security changes what their goal is and changes um, changes a lot of like the the timelines about things that can help set up for longer success because you're thinking in like those five year. In, in a five-year cycle rather than somebody who needs to turn things around like immediately um so i like i i do think that most people like at gm would if they have that security probably could be pretty all right like we we, we see it time and time again of like gms who are both new or clearly like on their way out where they start doing these stupid moves in an attempt to have their guys or make one final splash, you know, or a piece of fans or some aspect of that. Some, some non football aspect. Yeah. Yeah. Like like, I need to make a move to keep my job or I need to keep the fans happy or, you know, X, Y, Z. Right. Like that's literally not, not to bring in this meme, but like, that's literally part of the plot of Kevin Costner's draft day where the, the GM of the Cleveland Browns in that movie is telling Kevin Costner, we need to make a splash this year. Or the, the, The I I think the owner, it was the owner, right? Kevin Costner's the GM. Yeah. Right. Right. Like literally the whole plot is, Kevin Costner wants uh, Marlon Mack, <laughs> no matter what. Or Vontae yeah. Mack. Vontae Mack, Vontae yeah. Mack, yeah. Basically yeah, Marlon Vontae Mack. Mack, no matter what. No matter uh, what. Yeah, he wants he wants that defensive player. Um, rest in peace, Chadwick Boseman. Uh, but the owner tells him, 
you don't make a splash with a defensive player. Like we want, you know, we want like a new quarterback because ours. But is nobody like went to his birthday. Right. But nobody went to his birthday. And as silly as that is, I legitimately think that this huge, like that that's obviously a character of what actually goes down. But that does obviously happen with like, we, we see it time and time again, like in fantasy uh, and like analysis of people, like, if there's somebody who's kind of on the cusp of talent, people will go like, uh, you know what? I, I think that their, their leash is probably, we, we can maybe expect it to be a little on the shorter side in their range of outcomes yeah, because he's obviously going to be a bust. What was that? He failed the C2 test or the right. quarterback. I was going to be a bust. <laughs> or, you know, like looking at it where it's like, like with the Texans, for example, there were some people who were like, oh, Damian Pierce, like, I don't know if he's going to get a lot of run because he wasn't brought in by this regime, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so I like, I, I think that that can maybe take an aspect uh, of things for GMs who are a little weaker. But I think if you are allowing somebody to expand the timeline and think a little more holistically and have that security then they're going to be able to do smarter things but i mean sure. i think that that's just human nature in yeah. general because look at look at just not even sports teams but how many companies make dumb decisions to make the line go up to the right quarter by quarter instead of yeah, you know cannibalize their own profits to right to get a short-term boost their long-term yeah um it's I watch a lot of documentaries. It just reminds me a lot of uh, uh, any of you guys watch the documentary, The Smartest Men in the Room. Yeah, uh, I, I just I, I just live it. it. Yeah, so <laughs> yeah, I, I lived in California through multiple blackouts as a kid because those fucks wanted more money and they bled money out of the state. Like I, I've been through that. They would cannibalize. So I understand where you're coming from when you say that, DWF. But uh, I would I'd like to hear from Burn too if he's got any thoughts on. Um, if you give someone that you know starts out poorly enough time to be a good GM, you think they can do it? I'm gonna use an anecdote because I actually <laughs> have I'm one. I'm buckling my seatbelt, <laughs> and I'm going to tie it back to my nine-year-old home league. Let's go. We have a league taco who has never made the playoffs. We are in year <laughs> nine. Never once stumbled in to our six team playoff in our 12 team league his best finish is eighth last year in year eight going into the draft he said with the fourth overall pick he said i'm not making the same mistakes this year that i've made in the past i'm going to get it right this time i had the fifth sixth and seventh picks here is the draft order from last year first overall pick it's one quarterback mind you reese hall Number two, Kenneth Walker. Number three, Drake London. Chalk no, so far. No, he's number not going to do what I think he's going to do. James Cook. Oh, okay. Mm. I actually thought it was going to be Kenny Pickett. Nope. Took James Cook. He did take Kyler Murray first overall. So we have some history for Kenny Pickett there. But he already had Kyler. He doesn't need a quarterback anymore. So that left me with Traylon Burks, Garrett Wilson, and Jamison Williams at five, six, seven. Um, and then in the same season, the same wonderful individual traded Alec Pierce and his first round pick for a 2024 first round pick from a contender who was one of the favorites for the league this year and Kareem Hunt 
<laughs> he finished in last. And he traded his last place first overall pick for Kareem Hunt and a future first. No. And he sent another player with it. <laughs> and this is year eight at this point. No. Dude, I, like, how do you not yeah, sit him? That guy can't be him. You... And... How do you not sit him down, though? So, I, I, feel like, I, I have. Feel like that's different than what Bacon is saying, though. Like and you, need to, you need to give a little bit of guidance, right? Well, no, it's so this person has been given eight years <laughs> to figure it out some way, somehow. And I've posted resources at this point. I'm showing this guy keep trade cut. Cause I'm like, I don't like this website, but for the love of fucking God, man, look at something. Yeah. And yeah. so he's still doing things like that. And he finished in last this week. He is projected 68 points for the ninth straight year he's putting out a team that scores 70 to 80 points a week and will probably finish in the top three picks again he at least has two first round picks this year because of the one he got last year and the worst part of it all is after eight weeks he stopped setting his lineup because he was out of the playoffs we have a rule in the league. If you don't set your lineup, it counts as a win in the standings for the draft order. Oh, fuck. That's I finished in rule. second to last. He didn't no! set his start. He didn't set his lineup for four weeks. Come on, So dude. I got Bijan Robinson because he didn't set his lineups. That's a guy that has too much money. That's what he's content yeah. to just throw away. I mean, well, it's like, a free league. We just have a trophy, but it's like it's our home league, so we just talk shit to the guy relentlessly. For sure, but that that just sounds like like that that just sounds like somebody who's deeply unserious about the league. That's but, the but, thing. Uh, like, he gets he this guy, by the way, is also uh -huh. the person who pays to have power rankings produced for the league every week is heavily invested, makes more trades than anybody else, and just yeah, clearly. blows it up okay, constantly. But, but, but at the same time, though, like, you, you just said that he didn't set his lineup a couple times. Because like, he got that... frustrated because he's like, right, oh, I'm right. out of the playoffs. Right, but, but the, like, I, I, I think, like, my understanding of the question is, like, this is somebody in earnest who wants to be in charge of an NFL yeah. team and wants to make the, like, I, I guess I need to set those rules for my explanation. In my scenario, the, like the, the five year window or, or whatever, like this is somebody who's serious about making the team better and, and winning a championship and doing so like in earnest, you yes. know, and actually this, trying. This person has been doing that. I can confirm 100%. He just, like, with the Kareem Hunt trade, his entire explanation was, oh, well, I need a running back. I only have David Montgomery. So we have two running back slots, so he just traded for a running back. Just happened to be, you know, the Dude. corpse of Kareem Hunt. And it just I happens every year. So my answer is no. Some people just never learn. Okay, I, I, I do need to bring this back to where I was going this initially, but mm -hmm. before that I have an anecdote of... There's a guy in my league who's using uh, Andy popped in for the pod for a sec. I was excited for him to, to hear this uh, anecdote because it shouts out rate my. Um, but um, 
according to rate my league, his team is eighth worst mm-hmm. in value mm-hmm. out of 92,000 teams. His oh. roster is putrid. <laughs> like, putrid. He's in, in my home league. Um, and it's because he doesn't really learn from his mistakes. He does sports radio, mm-hmm. so that kind of gives you an idea. Yeah. Um, but his his uh, second, third year, he uh, T.Y. Hilton retired on his roster, and he mm-hmm. said, fuck, I need a new wide receiver one. And uh, he traded his 2024 first-round pick because he'd already traded his other two first-round picks mm-hmm. for Tyrell Williams. No, what? Yes. Okay. He was the wide, projected to be the wide receiver one on the Lions at the time. He made a panic trade, traded for Tyrell Williams. So, what? Uh, it, yeah. I have a confession. He gave up a first round pick and a, his 2026 first round pick, which is almost guaranteed to be the 101 unless someone else is trying to tank harder. Mm-hmm. Because he usually like kind of buys whatever semi-productive running back you can find. Mm-hmm. Uh, like he, he's traded first round picks for Rashad Penny before, like etc. Yeah. Um, and he traded his first and second round pick in 2026 for Jordan Love, despite having no other first round picks. His wide receiver one, uh, Burn, you will appreciate this, is Wandale Robinson. Let's go! That's nice. a true wide receiver one. This guy rules. His his quarterback his quarterback two is uh, Mitch Trubisky. Let's um, go. Oh, so at least it's super, super flex. flex. At least it's yeah. super. I was expecting you to say it was one quarterback. This dude is no, sending a first and second for him. His QB2 is Mitch Trubisky, so his roster is putrid. And mm-hmm. he clearly uh, isn't really given Dynasty the time of day to, to really become better. So, like, if you put that guy in charge of a GM, they're, they're not, they're not going to make good moves. Um, but for the guy that is getting better, I, my personal anecdote is my first ever Dynasty startup. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was looking for a young running back that I wanted to take in the third round, and this startup was in 2020. Mm-hmm. So I was looking at, you know, second-year players mainly. What second-year running back do you think I took in the third round of a Dynasty startup? My no. first ever Dynasty Clyde? No. No, no, no. Clyde. Clyde was still a hot commodity like, then. Oh, I got in the first round. Oh, yeah. 2019? Um, I'm going to get... So well, yeah, 2020, what about a 2019 but... draft pick? Right. So what? That yeah. was uh, J- Josh Jacobs, Miles Sanders... Um... David Montgomery, those three would have worked out, relatively speaking. Mm-hmm. So, yes, but who else? Oh, man. Let me think for a second. Because I... Okay, chat's got it. No, I was, I, was, oh, okay. I was seeing if they did, but they did not. Yeah. If you guys can guess it... I'm guessing it's probably Devin Singletary. Oh, Bird, you got it. Yes! No! I got oh. Evan Singletary in the third round of a Dynasty startup. No! Because I was like, oh, yeah, he's young. He'll be in the league for a long time. I'm just looking for guys that will play for a long time. Keep in mind, this was a super flex league. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had no quarterbacks. I left that draft with my QB1, Matt Ryan, my QB2, Ben Roethlisberger. Oh, okay. Um, my RB1 was Derrick Henry, and my wide receiver one was Tyreek Hill, but my RB2 was Devin Singletary. Honestly, that's better and... than I expected after you listed off that he was your third-round pick. Yeah, it, it ended up being, like, okay for that year, but I realized mid-year, like, 
The I won week three. I remember that year. I won week three, but my wide receiver one in my lineup was McCole Hardman, and I remember thinking, this Ooh. isn't going to work long term. I won that week, too, because I, it was like a week where Reek was injured or something, and I had to start mm-hmm. Nicole because I, I the thing where I was like, oh, I'll draft Nicole because he'll be my Tyree Kill handcuff. Oh, God. Like, so... I just wasn't I wasn't there yet. Yeah, um, that's fair. So, yeah. I think that where I'm going with this is that team now uh, is the best team in the league because I sold into a rebuild once I realized I'd made a huge mistake. Um, and I learned and I became a better manager because of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I'm applying some of the personal psychology and sociology lessons that I've learned and maybe to, to some of the GM role. But I think a lot of NFL teams do stupid things because the life cycle of a GM is so short that people don't get enough time to fail and learn from their mistakes. Right. That's fair. Um, and I think that would te- this is going to be a crazy suggestion, but I almost think that what teams should do more is hire failed GMs. Hire failed GMs that got fired from their last job after three years. Because we see it all the time. How long do you, does it really take before you evaluate like a wide receiver? You you only really know after like their third year. Look at Nico Collins this year, right? Yeah, blown up I out mean, of nowhere. Well, not out of nowhere. A lot of people saw it coming. <clears throat> why, can't, why can't that but... happen with other positions too? I think dynasty team or um, not dynasty teams. I think NFL teams just do stupid things because the life cycle and the new cycle is so short that they end up making rash decisions and and you know put the pressure on GM so they don't need to so they don't make good football decisions and they make good business decisions which i think those are different things mm-hmm. well. i i totally agree I with you, you marry those, those things together it'll it allows room to, for nfl teams to do so many dumb things um but importantly uh it, if you allow people to make mistakes then there's a possibility to learn from it i guarantee you a lot of the gms that the good gms that are hired now they they had an opportunity to make mistakes somewhere else so that they could learn from them Either that was at their current job and they were allowed to make mistakes, or they had some other prior experience where they were they were known that they were allowed to make you know some kind of GM related moves and fail that way. Uh, I think that's that's really important and enough like enough NFL teams don't do that. And I think the last reason why NFL teams do dumb things or appear to do dumb things is that they're not actually doing dumb things, and the fan like the, the community, especially the fantasy community, is dumb. Because that That's will true. happen sometimes. Oh, yeah. like, I mean, we, we will clown go further than Trey people. Lance, man. Like you, you yeah. still, you still have people clowning on, like, you had people clowning on Kyle Shanahan all off season, and then right now through the, through you know four weeks of the NFL season, you unironically have people calling Dan Campbell a bad coach because he he's not running with Jameer Gibbs every play. And you also yeah. have people clowning. I mean, maybe the the one that has the most credence is, um, you know, you have Arthur Smith. I, I think you can maybe uh, criticize him for maybe not benching Desmond Ritter, but but you have people clowning on Arthur Smith because like the like they're fielding a good football team, but Kyle Pitts isn't getting points. You know, listen, Arthur Smith is going to get fired if he loses. It's right. not to not to his advantage to bench Desmond Ritter. It's to his advantage to try to win with his roster, and I think Arthur Smith is doing the you know the best the best that he can with that. I yeah, think that I mean, they they get a couple more games like uh, like the London game. They might I I, I could see them maybe. pivoting, but 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 through uh, through the first two weeks, right? They were two and zero, and Kyle yeah. Pitts wasn't doing anything, and uh, not going to change. Uh, 
yeah pe people were like chastising him and it's like okay like all right yeah cry about yeah. brock purdy being a terrible quarterback and worse than trey lance as he goes on to be 10 and 0 <laughs> yeah. yeah so yeah, i said you know, this the other sorry burn go ahead yeah uh, i said this uh earlier i had a confession and then stopped because i didn't want to interrupt um and it's a bit of a tangent because I've made my own mistakes here. And I guess I'll go back on what I said a little bit. Some people can learn. Um, because, But you mentioned Tyrell Williams. And I just wanted to get this out in the open, in front of everybody, before I lost the opportunity. But in 2019, uh, Tyrell Williams was signed to the Oakland Raiders yes. as their presumable wide receiver one. After having... Yeah. A couple of seasons of catching 600 yards. And me, being the genius I am, saw that Melvin Gordon was holding out. And I approached the Tyrell Williams owner and said, Hey, Austin Eckler will start several games this year for the Chargers. You need a running back. I'll trade you Eckler for Tyrell Williams. No. Because... You need someone in the short term for running back, and I'm interested in having the wide receiver one for the Oakland Raiders. Yes. You guys are ridiculous. <laughs> and, Why well, is Tyrell Williams screwing over so many people? Lo and behold, Melvin Gordon did play 12 games that season for the Chargers and did pretty well for himself. <laughs> and, yeah, well, Melvin Gordon is giving me like a great return on investment. So... The long story short, I learned if a running back is holding out and you have the younger backup for them that could take the starting job, maybe don't trade them for a bum. Yeah, don't don't trade for bad players is usually really good dynasty. Advice. Yeah, yeah, but I was so convinced. I'm like, Tyrell Williams, he had a 1,000 yards that one year when literally no one else existed on his team. So you could do it again with a borderline yeah. Hall of Fame quarterback. That was the part that I kind of skimmed over when he went to the Raiders. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, yeah sorry. Wait. Sorry for that anecdote that just derailed the entire conversation. No, you're good. All is look no further than, um, why am I forgetting his name? Where's where's my boy Jack Athels? He would know. The GM of the Trent uh, Jags right now. Trent Balky yeah. failed as GM for the Niners. And yeah, he's, he's given a second chance. And credit to him, he's done a, a, a good job in, in, in turning that team around and supplying Trevor with some good weapons. Mm -hmm. I don't think it's necessarily clicked yet, but you can tell he is has learned from his San Francisco mistakes, you know, about, like, forcing good coaches out of town. And, yeah, I think he learned a lot from the Urban Meyer experience, too. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think that, you know, if you give Trent Balky enough time, he's just going to become a better and better GM. But you know you these people need to be allowed to make mistakes and i feel like so often they're not allowed to and i think fans won't let them be either and i think that that kind of it is pretty indicting of of fan psychology as well but i think that's an important thing to bring up yeah look, look at the uh look at the christian kirk contract the moment that that was signed everybody clowned on bulky because uh because it reset didn't it reset the market on uh yep yeah yeah, it reset the market, and Christian Kirk was, you know, a pretty good wide receiver, too, for the Cardinals, but they gave him wide receiver one money, and 
that reset the market and now <clears throat> now it's looking like a pretty good deal and christian kirk it's is arguably the wide he's arguably the wide receiver one for trevor lawrence you know on a team they, that has other quality wide receivers right? too yeah, they, the way that deal was structured, they front-loaded that deal, so they paid Christian Kirk a lot of money that first year, and we're going to trickle that money into second, third, and fourth years. So in terms of a cap hit, it was a huge cap hit his first year, but that's fine. They had the cap hit to spend, and the rest of these years, it's not going to be a big cap hit at all. So getting a wide receiver that's a productive wide receiver for cheap for like three years, it's going to be a great deal for them. And yeah. I remember climbing up for the first time. You know, I'm the stupid one there. Trent Baalke showed me what showed me what's up. And you know, part of it is I had bad memories from the San Francisco days as a Niners fan, which made it which made it a bit difficult. But I think that's a good example of what more NFL teams should be doing. Yeah, um, and and he also Brandon. wasn't afraid to take a swing on like Calvin Ridley. You know, like a guy yeah. that a guy that in retrospect it's like, okay, why didn't 31 other teams knock on their door for? What ended up being a what a fifth round pick, right? It was like conditional. Pick. No I'm kidding. <laughs> yeah, they sent him very, very little amount of draft capital for someone who had been one of the best wide receivers in the league very recently and didn't miss right, any like, time from injury. Right, like like to me, I like once again I am banging my head against the wall for decisions that Ryan Pohl has made. But it's like, okay, well, why did we trade a borderline first round pick for chase claypool who had a ton of character concerns and like the last time we saw him he was clearly like quitting on the field why didn't we do the same thing that the jags did and look at a guy who is actually productive and you know there were some serious uh concerns with like the gambling and he also stepped away for mental health so you know it was kind of uh up in the air whether or not his heart was like in the league still but like for if, if you're a bottom of the barrel franchise like the bears currently are take the swing on those kind of guys you know if he's nothing then we lost out on a fifth or a sixth round pick instead of the 32nd pick or whatever it was mm -hmm. yeah i think i think there's actually an important lesson there i think ryan poles learned from his chase claypool trade uh, in making the, you know, trading the 101 away for DJ Moore, right? That that showed growth to me, right? Like, serious growth. Um, because, you know, that takes a bit to look out and recognize I made a mistake in trading for Jace Claypool. And the way to rectify this is to, you know, actually give Field some help and get a wide receiver that doesn't have the character concerns and already has established NFL pedigree, right? Totally. I think that that shows a bit of growth there. And I think, you know, as much as bleak as the Bears' future looks now because of the repeated cannibalizing of the roster and the lurching in, <laughs> in and out of rebuilds, um, I don't know. Is it weird that I have hope for the Bears? Is Maybe it's because I haven't been... Like, you're you're you know, too far away. Don't, don't, don't take away one step closer to this team. We're radioactive you know, right now. If I ever get on the pot again, I might show up at a Bears jersey. So we'll we'll see. <laughs> we will um, use Bing to turn you into a bear. We we can do that now. We, Do yeah. Dolly Four will probably be out. You know, some yeah. uh, deep fake work. I don't know. We'll just put your face on a bear. Actually, yeah. I'm pretty sure Discord could do that as like a backdrop. I, I do I do agree with you though with with the growth like even like look at the 49ers like 
everybody wants to clown on the Trey Lance trade for for them getting him, but I thought it showed so mu- like and and it does deserve ridicule. But like, how do you like? Th- there is being th- there's being upset and expressing that, um, but they're. Uh, but but it's like okay do you want to be productive like with this energy and emotions or do you actually want to move on because if you want to be upset and just point fingers and say oh it was a dumb move then you can certainly do that but like he credit where credit's due like trading him away for anything showed that yeah that was a mistake we're we're going to move on and that yeah. like it, that should be commended yeah i i actually commended him a lot for his statements as well um but I just I just realized that Andre has posted uh, a twenty Plethora questions. Of questions. Yeah, that I think he wants us to answer, and I know we don't have a ton of time left, so I was wondering maybe if we could each go and like rapid fire answer the questions. Oh uh, yes, I've actually room. while you guys have been talking here for the last little bit, I've picked out a couple of questions that uh, don't break any server rules, and <laughs> we can hit on pretty quickly here because I do want to get to some of them. Um, one of them. Andre is asking us if we had a kid that was guaranteed to become an NFL player, you get to pick the position and the team they play for. Uh, what team would you pick and what position would you pick? Hmm. I pick Back Niners and kicker because they'd be the highest kicker ever drafted based on this current regime. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I was going to say Buccaneers kicker because they get drafted a round earlier. True. Um, I'll yeah. go uh, backup quarterback for the Ravens because I like the Ravens and they'll get paid a lot without uh, getting hurt. That's fair. Uh, so that's not necessarily true because the backup on the Ravens okay. plays four to five let's, games a let's, season. Let's just, well, let's just move on. Rapid fire, right? <laughs> yep, yep, yep. Um, this one, I guess, is uh, more for me, but for all of us, it's how come your fellow staff members slash mods don't listen in on the pod and support the fellas? That's not necessarily true. We've had at least four mods pop into the podcast so far today, and I know for a fact at least two others listen to it on Spotify every week. We are there. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I guess uh, a decent one to, uh, I guess, hang our hat on today is uh please explain deja vu to me i actually have answers to a number of these but i mean i don't know how many i i'm kind of not really in, in tune with how many of these would be against server rules uh we've we've some... run into uh a bit of a time crunch here so Wait, did, uh, did you ask did, did you ask me to yeah. explain what deja vu is yeah i'd like you to explain deja vu oh it's weird i just feel like i've done that before but uh yeah i would say the uh best way i could describe deja vu is tuning in at the same time at the same place next week for the same podcast uh thank you everybody for tuning in uh we appreciate it as always um yeah, if uh, any of you guys have any sign-offs you want to do, by all means. But uh, we appreciate everyone that signs in to listen. What's that? No, I was kidding. Oh, I yeah. asked if I could link that. Oh, yeah. Uh, our SoundCloud will be linked in the Spotify description. Yeah, great. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. In the description below. Yeah, perfect. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Uh, start Jaleel McLaughlin this week. 
Just do it. Just, Just do that every week. You might ask, well, what if I have, you know, Bijan Robinson? And it doesn't matter. Just start him. You'll figure it out. Appreciate it, guys. Uh, tune on in next week. Take care. Thanks for having me on. Mm-hmm.